14. For He Himself, this is the Lord Jesus, He Himself is our peace, believers, who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near. Verse 18 will be our text today. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Lord, we thank You again for Your Word, for this day that You've given us. I pray that You would now move amongst us, Lord, by Your Spirit. Open our eyes and our hearts to receive the Word. Lord, may I decrease as You increase, and we'll give You all the praise for that today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. I want to try to preach to you this morning a message titled, The Believer's Access to God. The Believer's Access to God. How many of you have to work on computers regularly? For your job or in school, you're on a computer a lot. A lot of folks are. Have you ever been trying to get into a file or open something and a message comes up that says, Access Denied? That's frustrating. And no matter what you do, you may have to have a a login, you may have to have this or you have that, and you're trying to enter all this stuff, and it continues to tell you, Access is Denied. There are certain times in our life and certain places in our life that we can't access. If you've ever been to a store, sometimes you'll see signs that say, employees only, meaning not anybody can just go in there. Not anybody can just walk on back. It may say, authorized personnel only. Designated areas for certain people. I thought a lot about what happened on Monday night with the football game. And I certainly don't want to take a situation and use that in any way, shape, or form. I certainly don't want to take the good things that we've seen happen this week and turn it into something negative. I rejoice that DeMar Hamlin is recovering and continues to recover. I rejoice in the care he received. I rejoice to see players now on bended knee before games praying, people talking about prayer, people praying on ESPN. I am in no way, shape, or form trying to take today and delegitimize those good things, okay? But I did think a lot about what we were seeing. I read a million comments and responses to people being excited about prayer again. And I am too. So again, please don't take this in a negative light. But what we saw on Monday was a very emotional thing. None of us probably know DeMar Hamlin personal, but I think everybody in this room thinks and feels like we do. He feels like someone that we're close friends with because we watched it play out in real time and feel as though we have a connection in some way to that. So it was very emotional. It was very emotional for me because I went through 12 minutes of CPR and so it brought back all sorts of memories hearing the doctor say that he might not make it and all that stuff. I've lived that. And so it really hit me differently this week. But nonetheless, in any circumstance, church, We have got to push beyond emotions, and we have got to push beyond feelings, and we have got to let the Word of God be the source of truth. 
So no matter how we feel about what we've seen, I want to ask you a question this morning that may shock you when we look at this. It may upset you as we look at this. But I want you to think about this question this morning. Does everyone on earth have access to God? Does everyone have access to God? You don't have to shout it out, but I want you to think about that. Let me, let me voice a second question to kind of piggyback off that. Does God hear everyone's prayers? Do you think about that? Does, God, or do, does everyone have access to God? And does God, have, uh, does God hear everyone's prayers? I want us to think about today the believer. So if you are saved, I want you to think about today the privilege that you have to have direct access to God. And I want you to think about, does the unbeliever, the person devoid of Jesus Christ, have the same access to God that you do? Think about those things. And I want to try to bring it out. And I'm going to give you a ton of Scripture, so I don't expect you to flip to all this. But I would encourage you, please write this down. Because I always want you to take what you hear from this pulpit, or from a Sunday school teacher, or anything at this church, and study it for yourself. Don't for one minute say, well, pastor said it, it must be true. I want you, I I hope and pray I'm always biblically correct. But I don't ever want you to just go along with something because I said it. So I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, write it down, go home and look at it for yourself in depth. Uh, I think that you will come to the same conclusion. I believe you will, but I want you to study it for yourself. So I want to give you three things this morning as we look at this verse. And when I read that context to you again, He's talking about believers have been saved by grace through faith. The law is no longer binding. It was given to the Jew, but now Jew and Gentile are both together under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by keeping the law and the ordinances and the ceremonies and the sacrifices. It is by grace through faith in Christ that brings two groups together and makes them one. But notice the word in verse 18 that we read. For through Him... Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we, born-again Jews and born-again Gentiles, that is the we, believers from both of those groups, we both have access by one Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, to the Father. That alone says a lot if we would take time to break that verse down word by word, which I won't necessarily but i want you to see some other things number one write this down if you're taking notes access is available to all it's available that doesn't mean it's realized but the availability is possible for anyone let me try to show that in the old testament if we were to go back to the old testament Think about the tabernacle and the temple and all the construction and how sacrifices and ceremonies and all that took place. Who was the one person once a year that had actual access into the holiest of holies, into the presence of God Himself? The high priest. That was a privilege afforded to one man under the rule and regulation given by God. No human person normal, ordinary Joe could march on into the tabernacle through the holy place into the holiest of holies and walk out of there alive. It was a privilege afforded only to the high priest. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 2. God says this, 
Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place, that is, inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So inside that veil, the holiest of holies, the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the manna that God had given the Israelites, it it contained the Ten Commandments, and it contained Aaron's rod that budded. On top of that was a lid that sealed those things in. That lid is called the mercy seat. On that mercy seat were two cherubim with wings up, facing each other, overspread, and God's presence would come into that room. The high priest would come in, sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. God would see the blood, because it's always through the blood that an atonement is made. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, church. That's the only way. is through the perfect sacrifice of someone or something, in our case, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the final sacrifice. He shed His blood for us. But in the Old Covenant, the priest would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. God would see that blood, and it would atone for the sins of the priest and the people. But only the high priest had the privilege of access into that room. The book of Hebrews, which is a wonderful book to study if you want to understand how Jesus fulfilled all of the types and symbols and shadows of the Old Covenant. They're all fulfilled in Christ. Hebrews is a great book for that. Let me read Hebrews 9-7, which connects us to the passage I just read from Leviticus 16. But into the second part, that is the holiest of holies where the high priest would go, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood which he offered for himself, and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. So there was, again, an example of what the high priest was doing, why he was going into that room. But exactly what was happening at that moment. Let me give you a few more verses. Leviticus 9-7. Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, And make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. So again, I could give you scripture after scripture that shows that one man, the high priest, was given this privilege of access for a specific purpose so that God would see the blood and that He would atone for the sins of the people. That was why... This was possible. The oldest book in the Bible is Job. Even though Genesis is first, the oldest writing is Job. Way back when Job lived, as he was going through the trials and the tribulations, not understanding why that this was happening to him and his family, he makes a comment in Job chapter 9, verse 33. And this is so important about what Jesus does for us and why we can have access made available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice of Himself. Job 9.33 says, Nor is there any mediator between us. He's, He's speaking of He and God. The King James Version uses the word daysman. I mentioned it on Wednesday night because it's, a, it's an antiquated word that a lot of people have not heard or at least are not familiar with 
There, is there any mediator? Is there any daysman? Is there any arbiter, some translations say, between us? Listen what he says. Who may lay his hand on us both. That's symbolic of what would happen when the high priest would come out and place his hands upon what was known as the scapegoat. There was a symbolic transfer of the people's sins from them to the scapegoat. The scapegoat was then sent out into the wilderness to carry those sins away. Doesn't God tell us that our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west and to the depths of the sea they have been buried never to be seen again? You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator that we need between God and man. There is a gap that none of us could cross. The blood of bulls and goats never could fully atone for sins, guys. That's why this system was never ending. That's why every day, from sun up to sundown, the smoke was pouring off the altar, the blood was running down in streams, because sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice had to be made. Aren't you glad that every time you sin against God, you're not required to bring another offering to Him? I don't know about you, but I'd be busy all day long. I have to start a farm and just have everything on hand because I would need a lot of animals. But I'm glad that the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world did come, that He did lay down His life, that He did rise again, and the Bible declares that when He did that, He is seated at the right hand of the Father forever to make intercession for us. He is our mediator. He is the go-between. He is the daysman that Job longed for. He is the one. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God. Boy, that's controversial today because everybody has an idea of who God is and they think that their God is the only God. But there's one God, the God of Scripture. There is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus. He is the one today that we must look to. That access is available for everyone, but only through Jesus Christ can access be gained. Only through Jesus can access be gained. I'm going to say that again, because on Monday night, millions were praying, but not all of those millions had access to God. And you may say, whoa, that's, that's a shocking statement. I'm going to try to show you through the Word of God that that is the case. That that is the case today. And why, number one, we should rejoice that we as believers have that privilege. And number two, take much greater advantage of that privilege. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We forget just how privileged we are to have access to God. That access is available to anyone, but the access must be arrived at accordingly. I'm going to say that again. Access is available to anyone, but the access must be arrived at accordingly. John 14, 6, we quote it all the time. Jesus said, I am the way, definite article, not a way, not one of many. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man woman, boy, or girl, can come to the Father except by me or through me. Jesus said in John 10, I am the gate or I am the door. Anyone that comes any other way is a thief and a liar. Over and over, Jesus is very 
exclusive about access to the Father. He didn't mince words. He didn't beat around the bush. He said anyone can come, but there's only one way you can come. That's the good news of the Gospel. Anyone can come, but you don't set the rules and the regulations on how you get there. We, we are not all walking the same road to the same destination, friends. And the sooner we realize that, it may be difficult, it may be a shock to us, but not everyone is going to arrive at the same destination. Only those with the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior can confidently say, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Only us as believers, without any boasting, because it's all because of Him. Access is available to anyone. If you're lost today, you can have access to God through Jesus Christ. But not until you bow your knee and bend your heart before Him and cry out in mercy that Jesus will save you. That's the only way. Access, number two, you write this down. Access is authorized for the believer. Access is authorized for the believer. Let me give you a couple of verses here. I could give you a bunch, but for sake of time, I won't. John 9.31 Now we know that God... What? What's that say? We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. That alone might be a shock read that verse. We know that God does not hear sinners. Isaiah 59 verse 2. Let me give you this one. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden His face from you. What? So that He will not hear Let me ask you something. When we say that God does not hear, that God does not see, we've got to move beyond just the literal rigidness of saying that. Because God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's at all places at all times. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. So given those characteristics, those attributes of God, we know that in a physical sense, God hears every word that is spoken. He sees every action that is done. So when we read these verses, it's not as if God was like, oh, they're saying something down there, but I can't make it out. Oh, I think I see them doing something down there, but I can't quite, can't quite see them. That's not what it's saying in those verses. He hears and He sees, but He responds differently to the believer versus the unbeliever. Because of the privilege that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the difference? Prayer is a privilege for us because it requires access to the King. A lot of times we think, I've prayed and I've prayed and I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. Where is God? Does He hear me? Is He going to answer? As a believer, you have access to God. Rest assured that He hears. But as we read in our verse of confession, I waited patiently on the Lord. And He inclined His ear to me. Heard my cry. It's the patience part that's tough for us. But you don't ever have to doubt as a believer 
that God is listening to you. God hears everyone. I think Matthew 12, 36 gives us that truth. He says, But I say to you that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. So God obviously hears everyone. But He doesn't respond to the unbeliever in the same way that He does to the believer. Because only the believer has access to God. What a wonderful word that we will never hear like that message on the computer. Access denied. Authorized personnel only. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have access. But I'll say another thing that might shock you and certainly would shock the world if we said it to them. Not everyone is God's children. Not everyone is a child of God. We are all God's creation. We are all made in the image of God. Sin has corrupted that. The fall has separated us from God. He has made everyone. Everyone is valuable and has worth in His sight. But we are not all children of God. One of the great doctrines of Scripture is for the Gentile, which is anyone outside of Judaism, is the adoption of us into the family of God. We are brought into the family of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made children. He becomes our Abba Father. That term of endearment takes place with a relationship. And the relationship is impossible until you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1.12 Listen to what John writes in his Gospel right off the bat. But as many as received Him, to them... He gave the right to become, you don't become something if you already are that, to become children of God. To those who do what? Believe in His name. That is the key to being transformed from an enemy of God to a child of God. From separated to access. The cross... The sacrifice of Jesus is the most important event that has ever taken place on earth. It brought sinners back to God. It reconciles lost to a holy God. What an act He did for us. Apart from that, the Bible says that we are not children of God. We are enemies of God. Romans 5.10 Listen to what it says there. For if, when we were what? When were we enemies? Before we came to Christ. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, brought back together, how? Through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The resurrection is proof, my friends, that Jesus overcame death, that He defeated sin for us, and because He lives, we too shall live. What a truth. Do you see how this ties together? This glorious story of what Jesus has done for us. Now, we know that our God is love. We know that God is caring. That He is compassionate. So, when I say that The believer alone has access to God. When I say that the unbeliever is an enemy of God, does that mean that God 
does never show goodness and mercy to lost people? Of course not. God in His compassion and in His mercy still can show benevolence to lost people. Matter of fact, just allowing us to wake up and breathe His air and live on His planet in rebellion to Him is a pure act of grace. We don't deserve that. And I think sometimes because we live in a culture and so many churches are man-centered today and make everything about us, that we think we are much greater than we really are. That's not how the Bible describes us. And I'm not trying to give a blow to your ego, but I think sometimes we need a blow to our ego. Because pride goes before the fall. And anytime we think we're a little bit more important than we are, we will tend to put ourselves on the throne rather than God. And so we need to recognize that God is good to everyone. Matthew 5.45 says He makes His sun rise on the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is merciful to everyone. If He wasn't, He, never would, have, he would have just ended it with the flood. It would have been over. He would have just said enough and we're not doing this again. But over and over, God extends mercy to both the saved and the lost. We're talking today about access. We're talking about the privilege of being able to go to God through Jesus Christ without any earthly mediator. I know myself and many others in this church grew up Catholic. And we were taught and we were told that you need an earthly priest, that you need the Catholic church, that you need penance, that you need this and you need that to earn God's favor and have access to Him. I'm glad today to know that the Word of God tells me that that's not the case. Christ is my mediator, that by faith in Him I can go to the throne of grace boldly, that I have access to Him at any time. I don't need to be in here at Sunday between 11 and 12 for Him to show up and hear me. I can pray in my car. I can I can pray outside. I can pray in my bedroom. It doesn't matter because I have access to God and so do you as a believer. You can make an altar anywhere you're at and worship God. And I'm so thankful for that. He alone is worthy to be praised this morning for doing that for us. Now, I do want you to understand this. There is one prayer that God does hear from the unbeliever when they pray it. Luke 18.13, the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. The tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That is the prayer that transforms the life of an unbeliever to a believer. When God hears that prayer of sincerity from a broken heart being drawn by the Holy Spirit and convicted by the Holy Spirit, and He answers that prayer and changes that person and makes them born again, then they have complete access. But before that, they have very limited access. The prayer that God desires, because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, is that the lost person would fall on their face before God and say, Forgive me. Save me. I need you, Lord Jesus. He will hear that prayer. If you're lost today and you think, Pastor said that I can't talk to God, you can talk to Him about that. And you need to talk to Him about that first. Before you do anything else, make sure that you are saved and that you are right with God. Then, the whole relationship changes. Then everything changes. Eternity changes. Access is then authorized. And here's the last point we'll close. 
access is assured for the believer. It's not just available. It's not just all that. That I'm not boasting. That I'm great. That I'm not saying. You know one of the things that bothers me more than anything. And I, and I don't fault people when they say this. I understand what they're saying. But over the years, it just every time I hear it, I just kind of want to like crawl under the table when people say it. They say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I know God really hears you. And I understand that they think that somehow because I'm a pastor that I've got God on speed dial and He, he, he drops everybody else's call first to talk to me. And I'm glad to play, pray for people and I sure am glad when people pray for me. But you don't need me to intercede for you. My prayers are no more valuable than your prayers as a believer. God hears you just like He hears me because I'm dialing through the cross just like you are. That's the only way I can approach Him. So I'm always glad to pray, but please don't come and say, boy, if, if Chris prays, it's, it, the odds are going to go way up because God hears him more than he hears me. That's not how this works. You have access to God as a believer. And, and that's not being arrogant, guys. That's being confident. There's a difference. Arrogance looks inward and says, look how great I am. Confidence says, look at my God and look how great He is. There's a difference. There's a big difference, right? Eyes on Him. And you can be confident in any situation. We talked about that in Sunday school. Our fear can be replaced with joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we look to Him in faith, what do we have to worry about? What do we have to fear? There's a song, one of my favorite old hymns, and I just thought about that song this week. I think we have the words on the, on the computer back there. Sing this first verse with me this morning. Let's sing and think about this in relationship to our assurance with Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. Amen. You sound beautiful this morning to sing those words, but think about that. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in, in prayer. I opened with Ephesians 2.18, and I wanted you to see the word access. That word is used only three times in the entire New Testament. Let me give you the other two. The first one is a chapter over, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, that absolutely corresponds to our assurance. Listen to what he says. In whom, speaking of Jesus again, we have boldness say boldness this morning we need that boldness and access with what confidence through faith in him that word boldness means that you can speak what's on your mind sometimes we say that what's on our mind and we shouldn't some of us don't have a filter right sometimes we need to zip it up but when we come to god and we're not coming to him again it's not arrogance it's not saying, God, you really blew it this time, and if you would have done it my way to begin with, this would all worked out just fine. Let me tell you what you need to do. That's not how we approach a holy God. Right? But when we go to a holy God in confidence, 
we can share with Him what we're struggling with. I hate it when people tell me, well, I don't, I don't know that, that God cares about my little problem. God cares everything about you. There is no little problem. If it's bothering you, bring it to Him. If you're struggling with it, bring it to Him. Listen, God does not get tired. He does not get overwhelmed. He's not going to say, oh my goodness, there is George again for the umpteenth time today. How many times is He going to keep bothering me while I'm trying to watch the football game? That's not how this works. God is listening to His people because you have access to Him. He is your Father and He cares. You can speak to Him about anything that you're facing and know that He is listening to you. That's what that word boldness means. And the word confidence means reliance and trust. When you go to Him, go to Him in faith. Now that's not always easy, because we're praying for big situations. I've always heard, and I believe it's true, if your prayer life is all about things that you can do in your own strength, your view is too limited of God. You ought to pray, we ought to pray as a church, big prayers. We ought to not just say, well, God, I hope if it's, you might be able to, and I think maybe you could if you really would want. We ought to come to Him and say, God, you can do this. And we believe you're going to do this, right? When I pray for Ryder, I pray that he is going to be healed. I know what the doctor said. I know what the report said. I know what they said about me. I know what they said about DeMar Hamlin. But at some point, we've got to believe that God is bigger than cancer. He's bigger than problems. And we have got to go to Him with that authority and that mindset. Guys, we have assurance that God hears us. Now, I can't guarantee you how He will respond. What He does will be right. What He does will be good. But I'm going to Him and I'm going to expect that He's going to do what I know He can do. And I'm going to pray like that and I hope you will too. I already said Hebrews 4.16. I'll read it again. It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. When I go to God, I'm expecting to obtain something. I'm not just going there to say, hey God, it's good talking with you and I hope to see you next week. I'm going to Him because He is my provider. He is the one that gives me everything I need. He gives us this day our daily bread. When I go into the throne room of God, I'm praying and expecting answers. I'm expecting God to move. When I pray for this service, I'm praying that souls are saved and I'm believing that souls will be saved. I'm praying for you that God is going to change your life. That He's going to lift your burdens. I don't just think that's possible. I believe that's what God wants to do. But we let our fears and our doubts and everything else cloud over that and as a result we don't see God move the way that He can. He just He, he delights to do those things. For us. That's not a prosperity message. That's biblical. That's scripture. I'm not saying he's going to give you a new car and pay off your house for you and all that stuff. But I'm saying that God loves his people and we have access to him and it's a privilege and we ought to take advantage of it. And that access, guys, and I'm closing with this that access is afforded to the believer. He hears the prayer of the lost Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. But when you have a relationship, when He is your Abba Father, when the Spirit of God lives inside of you and He makes intercessions with groanings, when all you can do is cry and you don't know how to pray and what to say, the Spirit of God is taking your heart's desires to the throne room for you. Lost people don't have that. Lost people don't have the Spirit of God. Lost people don't have a Savior living to make intercession for them. Lost people don't have a door that's opened through the cross of Jesus Christ to have access. I rejoice that people are on that field praying because it brought prayer to the forefront. But I would be remiss to think that everyone that bowed their knees on Monday night has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they can. 
And that's where the church needs to come in. This gives us such an opportunity to tell the truth. This is an open door. Because I don't care if you're an atheist. They may hate what's going on. They may disagree with what's going on. But they'll talk about what's going on. Because everybody's talking about it. And man, what an open door for us to say, Hey, guess what? Pastor just talked about that yesterday at church. And listen to some of the things that I learned. Listen to some of the things that the Bible says. They may shut you down, but I guarantee you can have a conversation. You can plant some seeds, and then you trust God. Like He said, I'll give the increase. Plant and water and leave it with Him. But this is a great opportunity for the church to really take this and use it for our advantage and His glory. It absolutely is. We have to have the relationship to have access to God. The last time that that word, the third time that that word access is used is in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Paul's letter to Rome is my favorite letter in the whole New Testament. Probably because it reads like a systematic theology and I'm a theologist. And I like that stuff. It's very orderly. So in chapter 4, first three chapters, he's talking about we're lost, we're separated from God, we have no hope. Chapter 4 is kind of a hinge. It's a pivotal time. He talks about Abraham and how Abraham is justified by faith. And because of his faith... Abraham was saved as is anyone else who places faith. And then chapter 5 begins to describe what happens after we're saved. And listen to what it says in those first two verses. Therefore, so again it's pointing back to what we just read in chapter 4, which was Abraham's salvation by faith. Therefore, having been justified. That means declared not guilty. In a courtroom, the word justified means the judge looks at you and he says, not guilty. How does he declare sinners who have done all sorts of wicked things not guilty? By faith. See that? Therefore, having been declared not guilty by faith, we have peace. Peace. Everybody wants to have peace. You can have it through Jesus. The world may be caving in around you. The storms that Phyllis sung about may be hitting, but there's an anchor in the midst of it. There's a peace that passes all understanding. Guys, There are people in this room facing things that I can't even imagine. But Jesus is with them and there is a peace that you will have in the midst of any trial. Sarah shared a story this morning in Sunday school. I heard Kim share her story. Loretta shared her stories before. I could go around the room and think about all the people in here that have been through storms. Chad's been through storms and shared his testimony over and over. It doesn't mean that life is easy, but it means that God is with us and He will walk through us and that peace that brings us together with Him is available. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Notice the order. Justification leads to peace which makes access possible for us. You see that? That's how it works. So today, I want us to rejoice. Our, our memorization vo- verse for the month was Romans fifteen thirteen. I hope you've been working on that. But I want you to think about that verse in light of what we've learned and saw today. We have access to God. It gives us peace. It gives us joy. It gives us hope. What a privilege we have, church. My question to you is, if you are privileged enough to have access to God, how often do you take advantage of that privilege? How often do we make that access a priority? 
Do we go to God as a last resort? Or is He a first priority? Do we go to God just when things are falling apart? Or do we go with Him just to be in His presence? If you've been away from somebody, if your kids have went away to the military or went away to school for some time or whatever, and you haven't seen them, when they come back to visit or come back home to stay, it really doesn't matter where you go to eat. It really doesn't matter what movie you go and watch. You just want to spend time with them. You just want to be with them. The stuff is secondary. If you just sit on the couch and talk, that's enough. Because you just want to spend time with them. How often do we do that with God? Just be in His presence and rejoice in who He is and what He's done for us. That is a privilege. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you're lost, you can have access to God. But first, you have got to receive Him, or His Son rather, as the Savior that He is. He is the one that opens the door and reconciles you back to God. I don't care how bad you've been, how long you've been lost, where you've went and what you've said and done. God can forgive you and God can save you if you'll trust Him. And as a believer, there's times where sin in your life and disobedience in your life can kind of separate the communication. I didn't get into all those verses, but there are many verses that say because of sin in our lives, it's not that God doesn't hear us, it's not that the access is no longer available, but we need to repent. We need to make sure that our hearts and our minds are where they need to be. Because God's not worried about just doing for you. He's worried about a relationship with you. A relationship that is flourishing. A relationship that is growing. A relationship that is depending on Him. And if you've let sin corrupt your Christian life and your walk, you first got to go back to your first love and get that right. And then you will have the joy. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you the Bible says. If that's where you need to start today, then I encourage you to come. I'm going to invite Phyllis and Shane and Christopher to come. I'm going to lead us in our invitation song today. And I'm going to lead us in prayer before we do so. And I'm asking you to not wait. If God is